Next, Food FM's Melissa Wallard speaks to Anne Willen. Anne has had an extraordinary career in the culinary arts and is recognised as one of the world's pre-eminent authorities on French cooking. Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again, this is Food FM. So, Anne, can you tell us a bit about Women in the Kitchen and what inspired you to write this fantastic book? Well, it was the result of another book, more general book on cookbooks and the history of cookbook uh, books. And I thought, well, women get a bum rap. We really didn't say very much about women. And surely there must be another book that is just about women and what women do in the kitchen, which is really a bit different from men. And you can tell this. Uh, I'd like to read a couple of pages of one of the most famous English women cooks, Hannah Glass. She wrote The Art of Cookery Made Plain and Easy, and it was first published in 1747, and it ran to more than 20 editions, which is huge, by the end of the century. The story owes a good deal to Mrs. Willie's acute perception of the domestic kitchens of the English middle class. And the art of cookery was widely circulated in the States. Hannah Glass wasn't diverted by cosmetics and perfumes, which occupied a good deal of space in many women's books of the time. She revels in the cakes and pastries, the pickles and preserves, the little maid dishes that enliven a stalwart English foundation of roast meats, fish. No English town is further than 65 miles from the sea. Amazing, really. With poultry and some basic vegetables raised in the backyard. Hannah Glass's background story reads like one of the romantic novels so popular in her time. She was born in 1708, the illegitimate daughter of an English country gentleman, Isaac Allgood. Her mother said to have been a local widow named Hannah Reynolds. These were lenient times and young Hannah was brought up beside her legitimate brothers, Lancelot and another Isaac. Sir Isaac was wealthy, but the all good estate in Northumberland was windblown and still is, it's still there, uh, windblown and remote. Hannah was sent to live with her grandmother in London. And from there in 1724, at the age of 16, she eloped and married a lieutenant on half pay, a feckless, though presumably charming character called John Glass. Lieutenant Glass was Irish in the service of the Earl of Donegal at Broomfield in Essex, where the young couple settled, he on half pay, she with a little annuity of 30 pounds from her half-brother. Here and later in London, their 11 children were born, those six died in infancy. 
Hannah was full of initiative. In 1747, when The Art of Cookery was published, Mrs. Glass arranged for it to be sold at Mrs. Ashburn's china shop at the corner of Fleet Ditch in London. That same year, Mrs. Glass set up as dressmaker with her daughter, Margaret, who was trained as a milliner and attracted some distinguished visitors, including the Princess Royal. In the first three editions, the author of The Art of Cookery was listed as simply as by a lady, a not uncommon subterfuge, but titillating all the same. The book was sufficiently notable as to draw the attention of Samuel Johnson, a man of letters and author of the Pion English Dictionary, who is quoted as saying, women can spin very well, but they cannot make a good book of cookery. Hmm, nasty. In the fourth edition, a clue appeared with a signature eight glass, H glass scribbled next to by a lady, but no, still no one knew who Mrs. Glass was. Then in the 1751 edition of The Art of Cookery, a full page notice advertised a certain Hannah Glass as dressmaker to the Princess of Wales. Whoever financed the first edition of The Art of Cookery spared no expense. It's a beautiful book. The resulting octavo volume with its heavy paper and generous margins is a pleasure to behold. This edition was the foundation of the library of cookbooks that my husband and I, it was the very first one, and I began collecting when we were married in 1966. Even then, a couple of decades before collecting cookbooks became a popular hobby. It was a serious investment for a young married couple, but it was worth it. We were entranced by the mixture of Italic and Roman type, larded with capitals on every noun, with the long S so easily confused with an F that seems clumsy by our standards, but isn't hard to follow when you're used to it. At Mrs. Glass's suggestion, I still use rosemary to flavor chocolate pudding and a straggly little rosemary bush does surprisingly well on my balcony in North London. I can see it right from here. Mrs. Glass does not provide an alphabetical index, but she lists the, page, the recipes page by page and in order of chapter, calling for a sharp eye to search the nearly 1,000 recipes dotted among 22 chapters. Hannah Glass's success with her book was short-lived. She was a fine publicist, but not a sound businesswoman. John Glass once lamented, she does not calculate well as I could wish in many things. Soon she was cashing in her only reliable source of income, 
the family annuity. In May 1754, Hannah was declared bankrupt to the amount of 10,000 pounds, a considerable fortune at that time. In 1757, she was consigned to the Marshalsea debtor's prison on the south back of the Thames. But by December, she'd been released and was registering shares in Hannah Gassie's name. Sorry, I'll have to go back. But by December, she had been released and was registering shares in a book called The Servant's Directory. In 1760, the last book in Hannah Gauss's name was published, The Complete Confectioner, and was reprinted several times. Its true author, however, was an obscure artisan named Edward Lambert. Mrs. Glass died at the age of 62 in September 1770. Hannah Glass had published her masterwork when she was 39 years old, and somewhere along the way, she must have learned to cook. Did she have her former self in mind in her dedication? This book is only designed to instruct the young and ignorant. By this time, she had certainly become mistress of wild repertoire. She had certainly become mistress of a wide repertoire as proclaimed in the subtitle to the art of cookery, which far exceeds anything of its kind yet published. Compiled is an apt term for the art of cookery, as Mrs. Glass does not hesitate to borrow from other works, though she craftily would change the titles of the recipe. In other words, she was a plagiarist. In those early days of copyright, a definitive English Copyright Act was passed in 1709, Recipes were considered as made by transcription, i.e. copied out one from another. This is certainly true in the art of cookery and cookbook plagiarism had continued unabated. Research revealed that a third of the 972 recipes in the art of cookery were taken word for word from an anonymous work, The Whole Duty of a Woman, that was published in 1737. At this time, such plagiarism was common practice and indeed approved. It was an author's, it's a different way of looking at what we think of as plagiarism. It was a different way of looking at what we think of as plagiarism. And indeed, it was approved. It was an author's duty to pass on the finest recipes with no insistence on originality. When later, a certain Anne Cook, in professed cookery in 1670, 
complained of Mrs. Glass. She steals from every author to her book, infamously branding the pillaged cook with trick booby juggler legerdemain. But nobody took much notice. Always the canny saleswoman. Mrs. Glass lists all her chapters on the title page of The Art of Cookery, opening prosaically with plain roasts and vegetable cookery, and then moving on to techniques such as to ragu a piece of beef and dishes like mutton chops in disguise, cooked in buttered paper, and ducks dressed with onions, green peas, or cucumbers. The style of the recipes themselves differs little from Mrs. Woolley nearly a century before her, though Hannah Glass is perhaps more conscientious in mentioning all the necessary ingredients, but without quantities. Chapter three brings a dig. Read this chapter and you will find how expensive a French cook's sauces, trumpets Mrs. Glass, betraying her rooted prejudice against French cuisine that held center stage on many fashionable tables. Elsewhere, she explains, <laughs> elsewhere, she exclaims, so much is the blind folly of this age, they would rather be imposed on by a French booby than give encouragement to a good English cook. This remark can also be taken as a bid for feminism, as the vast majority of cooks following the French style were male. Should I be so happy as to gain a good opinion of my own sex, I desire no more. Sums up Hannah Glass to her readers. Yeah, so one of the first of many plagiarists, but not really a plagiarist. And if you're sharing recipes, I guess it's a bit of a grey area. Very grey, still rather grey. If you change the um, the name of the recipe, you're halfway there. Wow, that's amazing. Well, somebody once plagiarised. Um, I was involved in a, um, a series of 18 cookbooks and quite a lot of um, the recipes in there were plagiarised. Um, but it was easy to pick it up because she uh, kept the recipe titles the same. Yes, yeah. Bishop pursued her. Wow. And just thinking about kind of today, has much changed in the kitchen for women since these times? Oh, I think a great deal has changed for women in the kitchen nowadays. For one thing, most importantly, they're very honoured, respected and widely read, which they certainly were not in Hannah's day, though her book did have considerable success. Um, it's much, much easier for a woman in the kitchen now. All those machines, no open fire, things are easy to clean, 
There's a refrigerator to keep things fresh. There's um, a mixer to do all the beating and hard work. It really is totally different. But the recipes are not so different. If you look at a Hannah Glass, um, think of chocolate pudding with rosemary. It's just like a regular chocolate pudding. It only has about five ingredients and with the important difference of the springs of rosemary. It's amazing. I wrote that down, actually. I must try that. I've never thought of putting rosemary in a chocolate pudding. Exactly. And it's only five ingredients or something. Amazing. Thank you so much, Anne. Is there anything else you wanted to say while you're with us? Oh, I think I would say do as much as you can in the kitchen. I work quite a lot with my grandchildren. And it's fun for me and it's fun for them. And that's the whole point about cooking. You enjoy it. Amazing. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure talking to you today. Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again. This is Food FM. That was Food FM's Melissa Wallat speaking to Anne Willen.